you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Really hard not to whistle along then. Welcome everyone to Got Till Five. This is episode... Um, 12, I think. 12. Well done. And uh, this is a very, very special episode where we pay tribute to the man, the legend, the genetic jackhammer, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh, we love, there's so many moments to choose from. This was a, um, uh, it was a Twitter vote, wasn't it, that made us do this? It was, it was. And it came, I think it was about 42% of the vote after a while, because for a long time throughout the vote, it was IC title and this one were, were pretty much neck and neck. Yes. But then everyone went, no, <laughs> we want Vince. We need some Vinnie Mac. We could do the IC one we um, next week, maybe, um, as it was a yes. close we'll, runner-up. We'll, we'll calm ourselves down after this mentalness that's going to happen. Um, thank you for everyone that checked out last week's episode. Absolutely insane, the love we got for our Benji Banks interview. Um, lots of people checked that did out. They? Did we get good, list- uh, good, good good numbers, did we get? Good numbers, man. Good numbers coming in. Um Everyone loved the Benji Banks, and uh, he got us over. Well, so he did. We Why wouldn't that. we? We love Benji. He was um, a perfect first guest on this podcast. He was. And then we went into top tag teams, and that was a lot of fun as well. Also, I want to get this out of the way as soon as possible. I lost a forfeit last week, as we learned, and Jesse said, I'll announce what your um, forfeit is next week on the show. And I'm not sitting here for two hours to find out what it is, so get it over okay, with. Okay, let's do it. Um, well, I just think... And and um, you're um, you're away wrestling this weekend, aren't you? I'm having a grap. You're having the graps, which means that um, you're going to be um, in the company of what I would assume are some large, well-built, oiled men. Every weekend, baby. Yeah. Cool. So um, this is pretty basic, but I, I think it'll be pretty good. I want you to find the biggest, strongest wrestler in the room. And if this wrestler, I'm I'm going to look up who's like on the card and stuff for what you're doing this weekend. And if I don't feel that he was the biggest and strongest, I'm going to make you do it again. Don't pick some weedy kid in the corner or something. <laughs> like some little rat. eight-year-old that we train with. Come here, come here. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to take your top off. Okay. Mm. And you're going to receive three strong Ric Flair style chops to the chest. Do I have to from woo? this person. No, but you have to do the money shuffle. Oh, the money shuffle. I hope there's like the biggest wrestler there is someone I know and have met before instead of going up to him going, excuse me, you have massive hands. Take off my shirt. Well, this is a risk you have to take. And someone else will obviously have to um, hold your phone or whatever to film it. This is true. And um, so that that can be someone scrawny. I'm allowing that. <laughs> Thank um, you. And, but yeah, it's okay. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I want these chops. So you're going to do the money shuffle. Okay. You're going to receive a chop. And you're going to do the money shuffle in between each chop, and it's going to be three chops. It's a lot of money shuffling. It, it is a lot of money shuffling. Have you got a problem with that? It doesn't matter if you do, because it's my forfeit and I'm choosing it. <laughs> okay, three chops, money shuffling between by the biggest man I can find. From a big bastard. From a big bastard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what if I can find only like three medium-sized guys? Do I just combine them together? Then you get nine chops, um, three from oh, each of them. That is excessive. That is... No. Happy? Not even slightly. No, good. Well, this is a nicer part. I mean, we've sort of agreed after the chilies not to ingest anything for a while just to give ourselves a break. So I think this is. Uh, this We're going to hurt acceptable. the external part of our bodies at this point. 
Okay, exactly. fine. Um, I'll send some messages this weekend and uh, pre-warn people that I'm going to be naked. So, yeah, I'll enjoy that. That'll be fun. Thank you very much for that, Jesse. Anyway, how are you? I'm okay. I've had a busy week. It's Christmas time, sort of, so everything's proper busy right now. But but it's okay. It, like This is my therapy. Once a week, I get to sit down and shout at you for an hour or so. <laughs> very true. Um, quickly, before we came on air, you mentioned what you were doing on Saturday, and I didn't go deep enough into it. Can you explain to the listeners what the, <laughs> how you're doing on Saturday? On Saturday, I'm going to Bristol and I'm going to watch a wonderful show called Slava's Snowstorm. It is a clown show, so I feel like we're both. It still falls under the Carney umbrella, right? So it does. It yeah. So you're doing you're doing Carney um, Carney fake sports, and I'm going to see Carney fake comedy. Sounds like you're going to a rave by the name of it. <laughs> it's really good. I, it's an awesome show. They're Russian um, clowns, and they only come to England like once every three or four years. Awesome. In Bristol, amazing. Yeah, well, they do it loads of other places as well. But yeah, it's it's a wicked show. But that's that's how I'm spending my weekend while you um, while you grapple oily men. <laughs> we're I love where we've got to in our lives. I like the point <laughs> that we're at. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to be at Fight Club on Friday, uh, Kamikaze Saturday and Sunday. Showing Rubri and a show in uh, on the Cabri Club. So if anyone's in Birmingham, pop down. And it'll be fun. I won't be wearing anything that you can recognise who I am, but you can listen to my sweet, sultry voices. Yes. Yeah. But uh, wrestling news this week, a little bit calmer than it's been in previous weeks, which is good. So we'll be very quick about what's going on. Um, The main thing is, seems like we're going to have a little bit of Broken Matt coming to WWE. Except they're going to call it Woken Matt, apparently. Is their oh. plan? Yeah, I know they can't just keep things as they are, can they? They have to always change the club. It a bit. Yeah, exactly. They always have to change things just that little bit to make them a bit shitter than they were. But uh, yeah, apparently the um, court case has been settled, and the Hardys now have the rights to the broken stuff. So that means that will be that'll be coming to WWE much too late, and I don't think anyone will care anywhere near as much as they would have done in the past. But it's Not- um, it's still going to be um, something different, and hopefully we'll um, revitalize the Hardys a bit. I hope so. I hope Matt kind of gets something from this um, and kind of has that, you know, how Jericho had when he came back and everyone was like, oh, Jericho's amazing and he's the best thing ever. I hope that kind of happens for Matt in all honesty. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's going to be like when they did the club, but it wasn't the club as it should be. And they had to really water it down to the point where you're like, what, why are we even doing this? Oh God, they just, they just signed them to damage New Japan, didn't they? And then had no, yeah, then had no plans, no plans at all after that. It's, yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunate indeed. But, yeah, we'll see. You never know. This could be the greatest thing ever, and we'll be talking about it for weeks to come. But I doubt there's going to be a dilapidated boat. I doubt there's going to be drones. There's just so much we're not going to really get. Will we get Senor Benjamin? Will we? <laughs> That's what I hope. This is... Royal Rumble appearance. Yeah, oh man, that'd be awesome. I If they could find a way to bring him in, um, I, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm happy. Vince would love it, speaking of Vince this week. It's a stereotypical um, stereotype. That's true, yeah. Or if they can't get Senor Benjamin for whatever reason, just hire Chavo and bring back Kerwin White. Very true. Or, or um, any of the, what were they called? when he bought Mexicals. Mexicals and they yeah. ride in on lawnmowers. On lawnmowers, because that's what Mexicans do. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your next two hours of the brain of Vince McMahon. <laughs> and we're going to have a good time doing it. We are. Um, can we just touch on, before um, we go into this, let's just touch on Leo Rush quickly, because uh, the news yes. came in today um, that Leo Rush has removed all references of being part of the NXT roster from his Twitter account, mm-hmm. which is always a surefire um, way to get the well, rumor mill going. But yeah, um, I, I don't know what'll happen. He obviously got in a lot of trouble for um, being quite facetious about Emma being let go. Um, yeah, and um, and since then he hasn't be, had a single match um, on NXT on television or house shows. He hasn't had a single one. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. No, uh, obviously pure speculation, but. We've all done this enough that you kind of know where it's heading. Hope it's not where it's heading because I really enjoy Leo Rush. He's fantastic. And I was really excited for him to get a proper run in NXT. And he, he could have done a lot of good stuff with a lot of good people. It, it could just be he's updating his social medias. That's all it could be down to. But as you say, coupled with the fact that he hasn't done any matches since the Twitter incident, it's uh, yeah not looking good. No, it, um, yeah, but it will be interesting. Um, I, the guy's a kid, you know, he's in his early 20s, and we all do silly shit when we're in our early 20s. Good God, could you imagine if we were in the public eye when we yeah, were like 20? It'd be horrendous, right? Like, it, I, we, we wouldn't be here, we'd be... <laughs> I, I'm waiting for this all to go down with some tweet or just something that's going to happen. Something will happen, we'll say the wrong thing, won't we, and um, it'll blow us up. And tonight's the night. Yeah, enjoy infamy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, as we said at the start of the show, thank you for listening last week. If you're tuning in this week, go find us everywhere that uh, good places can be found. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, all that cool stuff. And subscribe, and we can be found at Got Till 5. But, most importantly right now, let's talk about the man known as Vinnie Mac. Yeah! Mm, ah, the grapefruits I've uh, got a quick ditty I'm going to play to get us into normally we play our special top 5 drop we needed something special for this one my friend we need a Vinnie Mac drop I'm ready I'm Vince McMahon damn it let's hear it somebody call my mama I am the boss I've got a big surprise for you for Mr. Mac Daddy. Ruthless aggression. I'm gonna stop being so damn nice. Shut up! Vincent Kennedy <laughs> McMahon. That brought a tear to my eye, Mac. <laughs> what age is he now? He's uh, 72, 70- I think. 72. And um, we've been discussing doing this for a while, and we sat down and tried to come up with ideas, and there's just so m- How is this man... First of all, he's a billionaire at this point, right? Oh, easily. Easily. And has held this company for the better part of 40 years and is still in a position of power. And I don't understand him. He's such gonna, an we're enigma. Gonna, we're going to try and understand the brain of Vince McMahon this evening um, through audio clips, stories, and memories. Uh, we also posted this question to the Got Till 5 Milky Way. Nailed it. Yeah, nice. You got it. You got the lingo down, son. Woo! And we got a great response. Probably the best response we've had from from one of these top fives. And I was sitting there last night reading through all the comments, and I was just cracking up, <laughs> uh, just reading. And I went, oh, yeah, I could put that one in. I could put that one in. Because in my top five, I've tried to balance the, the evil with the good. I'm, I've got, like, 
I've got one basically that shows the good in Mr. McMahon. I feel like we needed it. Um, I don't. <laughs> You've just gone full on. Well, I think so. I, well, my first one is sort of neither good or bad. I, I don't know how to describe it really, but um, but the rest the rest of them all revolve around. Um, well, they they all revolve around madness. I think um, more than more than being evil. Just which just is, not just being unhinged. Which is the best way to describe him. So, if you would please, Mister Benz, kick us off with this Mister McMahon tribute hour. Okay. Um, well, my number five is um, from. Vince McMahon circa 1987. Oh. It is Vince McMahon um, doing his musical performance of Stand Back. <laughs> uh, do you know the first time I saw that? Do you know the first time I saw that? The first time I saw that was yesterday. I know. You sent me a message. Of the, have you seen this? And I was like, yes. I've never seen it before. It's just gone over my head. For some reason, it's just never entered my consciousness. How have I missed this? It's fantastic. I, the first time I saw it was when it was DX and all that was happening with the McMahons and uh, Triple H came out and sh- and Sean was imitating Shane and JR almost had a stroke because he was trying to say, Sean's being Shane, Shane is Sean, Sean's Shane. <laughs> and uh, they played that video and started dancing around the ring and it, it, it is amazing. Um, for those who don't see it, here's a little taste of what the musical Diddy is all about. Everybody told me what I should do, who I should be. So the video starts with Hulk Hogan on bass. Yeah, jamming the bass. Jam in the bass, and then we cut to our brass section, which consists of Macho Man Randy Savage, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, um, it does. And um, Beefcake? I believe Brutus Ke- Beefcake is in there, and I think Junkyard Dog, although the camera doesn't linger on him for very long. He just sort of flashes there. Yeah, that's Junkyard Dog. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> and then you've got the professional saxophone players, and then just George the Animal Steel standing behind them. Vince comes sliding onto the stage. Um, th- this was at their Hall of Fame back in 1993? No, it was um, the Slammy Awards. Slammy Awards in 1993. Um, 1987. Sli- 1987, sorry. Jesus. Jesus. Get your facts right, man. <laughs> um, and he slides onto the stage and gives us a wonderful ditty, as you just heard, of Stand Back. He does. And what I don't understand the context. Maybe there was. Or well, maybe. I looked into it because I was trying to find context because... He didn't. Vince McMahon didn't become a fully fledged wrestling character until 1997, right? Um, Correct. Sort of the screw job and the sort of you know becoming the heel feud with Austin and stuff is what turned him into a proper television character. That's that's ten years after this, so it's just madness that exists. But from what I could tell, from what I could find out, um, is this was sort of proper family friendly, you know, home entertainment sort of era of WWF. And they released um, they released an album of um, of songs just performed by wrestlers, and Vince did this one. This was on the album, so it was just his performance of that, singing and dancing like John Travolta being tasered. By the way, <laughs> he, it's incredible. He's really and I've got a um, like he's really going for it, really dancing. And we've seen Vince dance a few times over the years. Oh, we have. And um, I've got a um, I've got a small extract here from Jr.'s new book, Slobberknocker. Which um, is fantastic, and I fully recommend it. It's a great book. 
Um, and this is an extract when JR was in the car, uh, not had not long been with the company, was in the car with Vince, alone with him for more or less the first time, just driving to the next venue for a show. Extract is as follows. Vince was singing at the top of his lungs, punching 90 miles an hour on a secondary road, all the while dancing in his seat. I'm an amazing dancer for a white man, he shouted over the music. <laughs> I can see, I shouted back. That's brilliant. That, wow. And as we can see, he is an amazing dancer for a white man. I'm visualising it. I, yeah. I imagine it's all hips. It's yeah. just all hips with him. Well, it is. There's there's a gift somewhere. I think I sent it to you before um, of Vince McMahon. Does, it might even have been a rehearsal for this or something where he's surrounded by like, you know, pretty professional dancer girls in like feathers and all that. And they're all dancing and he starts dancing a bit timid. And then you could sort of... <laughs> Just see some click in his head and he just looks around and he starts going for it. And it's it's just incredible. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it. That's what always comes into my head. Um, yeah, I just love the, the rehearsal idea because that clip is amazing. But with like Macho Man and Hulk being there and him being the perfectionist that he is, they must have done so many takes of that. And that's what I want to see. Oh, God, you know, yeah. You know, because I finally watched that um, Jim and Andy documentary. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's really good. Really good documentary. So they film uh, the the video they took behind the scenes of when they recorded Man on the Moon. Um, I would love that to get released. I know we've always talked about a tell-all Vince documentary, but just behind the scenes of Vince rehearsing and doing stuff would be amazing. Because I imagine he is very much in that um, Kaufman-style character. Yeah. I remember, yeah, definitely. I remember um, there's a clip on the WE24 for WrestleMania 31. Um, and it's a clip of Triple H rehearsing his entrance, you know, with the um, Terminator and the holding the skulls and all that. And um, he comes up on the um, sort of plinth and goes quite high. And you see them rehearsing that. And then Vince just looks up and goes, oh, is that safe? Oh, but no, he's given me my grandchildren. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine marrying into that family by will. I mean, come on. Yeah, terrifying. Madman. Well, I, mean, uh, tri- tri- I think Triple H made a good decision when you look at his life. He made a still, great decision. Yeah, But still got scary. His, got his manly wife in the end. Exactly. Yeah, he turned her into China, didn't he? Big yes, split. he did. But Jesus, but yeah, so this is basically on my top five because it baffles me that it's 10 years previous to Vince McMahon being any sort of notable on-screen character. And the dancing's funny, but as you say, clearly very well rehearsed and he's taken it incredibly seriously mm-hmm. and just <laughs> delivers this incredible performance that um, little did we know what was to come when that happened. <laughs> That was the tip of the iceberg, my friend. <laughs> and um, from happy Playboy-loving dance the night away Vince, I'm going to sadistic Vince pretty quick in this list. I, I needed to get this off my chest. I, I'm not going to play an audio clip for this one just because um, there's there's so many moments that he says during the saga, we'd be here all night. It's the Linda Trish Shane saga leading up to WrestleMania 17. Ah, nice. This did uh, um, this did funny things to me as an eleven year old boy watching Trish get treated like that. <laughs> did it to a lot of us, my friend. A lot of us. It's, oh, we um, haven't. Yeah. We haven't. Um, we haven't done our thing. So, if me and Jesse have any crossovers, oh yeah, what are we gonna do? We need. We need to have some kind of. Um... Yo, do a do a um, Vince McMahon. You're fired. Drop. You're fired. Yeah, I think, I think that'll work. I think nice. that'll work nicely. Okay, um, the Linda Trish and Shane saga now. 
This was Mr. McMahon at his height, 2001. He just beat WCW, and he'd done some, yeah, not really despicable things at this point. He'd, he'd done some stuff, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, though, keep talking. <laughs> but none were as detestable as what he did to his wife back then. He, um, what's the best way to start this? Let's let's rewind all the way back to, to how this kind of began. Um, Linda had appointed Mick Foley um as the wf commissioner and vince hated that idea so he tried to get him um fired so because he wasn't happy with this vince immediately demanded a divorce from linda and uh secretly to vince's pure delight it was revealed that uh, linda was rushed to hospital suffering with a nervous breakdown (laughs) so with linda hospitalized the board assigned vince as the ceo of wf and it allowed him to fire foley as commissioner uh, Linda was in a comatose state, which was uh, eventually revealed by co- parading her in a wheelchair around, as he had a public affair with Trish Stratus, who is Vince's daughter Stephanie, arch-rival. Yeah, she was brand um, new in the company at that time, wasn't she? Yep, so Vince was like, gotta make the most of this. We could probably do a top five list, many parts probably, of Vince and women. But I'm trying to keep that to <laughs> to keep that to a minimum. Um, Stephanie and Trish fought a No Way Out. I'll always remember this because this was my first WrestleMania, and I had the No Way Out tape and I had the WrestleMania 17 tape. So at age 11, watching this literal soap opera, no other way to describe this. No, it was brilliant. Soap opera um, was yeah. Um, Stephanie won the got the win due to William Regal running in. That's another story. <laughs> and um, then he started. Then he told Vince, oh, I, I was, almost forgot the most important bit. When Vince wanted to demean Trish, so he had her bark like a dog and strip down to her underwear. This is the bit that did funny things to 11-year-old Jesse Benz. This is true. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I can't play an audio clip for this because there's just so much yeah. that happens in this feud that is just disgusting. We watched a... Disgusting. Um, <laughs> when you put it in context of not wrestling, it's like, Wow. I spe- yeah, you find yourself sort of just accepting this stuff as a wrestling fan, don't you? And it's not until you um, sort of step back and think, what if I wasn't a wrestling fan? And you think, oh God, this is like, this is horrendous. Well, we watched an interview last night. I sent you the video um, where Vince had an interview back around this time. Oh, with Bob Hoskins. Yes. And um, they had a chat about how Vince did this. And he, he demeaned Trish and made a bark like a dog and crawl on all fours. And Vince was just like, you've, t- you've taken that out of context. <laughs> He hasn't. He really hasn't. No, no, you've taken you one bad thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, Vince's argument was that it's a soap opera, it's a storyline, and eventually he's going to get his. You know, the character as the heel is going to um, get his comeuppance. But that doesn't take away the fact that you're in a ring, in a live arena, in front of thousands of fans, doing this to, you know, an attractive young woman, and... The fans are not going, oh, this is awful. They're going, yeah, titties. <laughs> which, is kind of, yeah, which is kind of like not the point. <laughs> they're missing the point of like how horrible Vince McMahon's being. Oh, yeah. They, oh, God. And then after that, this is when Shane comes back and um, he he attacks Vince and he reveals that he has bought WCW instead of Vince McMahon, the famous, the contract does say McMahon. However, the contract reads Shane McMahon, yeah, which could have been so much more. 
So much more. It could. At the time, that was awesome because it was like um, WCW has been bought and that's real. You know, that's real life. It's like, oh God, WCW is folding. All these people are losing their jobs. And then immediately, Shane McMahon comes in. We're off on another angle. Do you know what I mean? Like storyline just carries on. And I thought that was so cool and so wrestling. Yeah. That, that moment of reality happened and then boom, just straight away back into back into over overdramaticism. <laughs> and... Because I I always kind of forget that these two storylines are linked, the the WrestleMania 17 and the buying of WCW, because this was the start of the Invasion storyline and how this all came about. So he says he's bought WCW and then um, Mick Foley comes back and uh, prior to his firing, Linda gave him multiple contracts where he could be a referee. So he becomes the referee in the match between Vince and Shane, which becomes a street fight. And the street fight is nothing... It is just pure genius of soap drama, just anarchy, absolute it's so anarchy. Well, it's so well put together, and um, the moment in the match when Linda stands up, yes, um, out of the wheelchair is just God. That pop, is, yes, I love. So, nothing's better than a good pop, is there? And nothing better. God, the crowd so, just explode. Uh, when it's she the build up, up to that because he's beating. He he's beaten. Um, he's taken out stuff. No. Trish has taken out Stephanie at this point. Shane has um, been beaten down. And Vince picks out Linda from her wheelchair. And fair play to Linda's, like, acting of just being completely, like, co <laughs> Well, she's not acting yet. It's... Meh, I mean, it's not the most act. difficult acting. She's literally the only man with, like, zero acting chops whatsoever. <laughs> and, like, no charisma at all. So Vince is like, if we're going to put her in a storyline, she needs to be comatose. <laughs> <laughs> so he picks her out of the wheelchair, shoves her in the ring, like forcibly rolls her in and she just kind of flops around like a magic harp. Yeah, she and doesn't then, look like a flexible woman. No, she doesn't. He sets up a chair in the corner. <laughs> Not like Trish. Puts her in the in the chair and goes, watch this, watch what I'm going <laughs> to do. And then, yeah, he turns around and she rises from the seat and kicks him in the family jewels. She does. Um, amazing. Oh, my, my favourite Vince McMahon quote is when he's, he's beating down Shane. This is before the pay-per-view. Or is it at it? I can't remember. But he says, I'll never forgive your mother for giving birth to you. Yes, that's in the, yeah, that's in the, it must have been before because it's in the package leading up to the match, the um, promo package. That is just like imagine your dad just pitching to you like okay we're gonna have a family storyline <laughs> we're all gonna be involved okay dad what's it gonna be about I'm gonna bang a twenty year old and your mum's gonna be in a wheelchair <laughs> good well you know Vince booked it the way that uh, I would have done quite frankly if I was in his position <laughs> I mean Trish to to eleven year old me um, Trish Stratus was just, just the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life at that point I think. Yeah. And um and I, I think it might even still stand today. But um it's that match just yeah, the whole drama and Shane McMahon doing the um coast to coast with the garbage can. I think that's the first time he'd ever done that. Mm. And Rob Van Dam have been doing it for years in ECW, but um us kids like didn't watch ECW, especially in England. So this the first certainly the first time I'd seen a move like that, and it just blew my mind, completely blew my mind. Hundred percent, yeah. Just and he did the dive and through the table and just ah, oh, Shane, we love you. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, the McMahon's like since ever since um, that though. If you think about like the McMahon family have been involved pretty consistently for coming on eighteen years in storylines all the time. Yeah, for better or worse, you know. I think for worse now, but back then it was fresh and really, really cool. Well, now it's just lazy, isn't it? It's just a for- weirdy authority figures, and that's that's it. It's just really kind of lazy. 
Well, the, the rest, you know, I, I love Shane. Um, I'm not mad on Steph, but uh, they just don't they just don't have the chops Vince McMahon had when he was a regular on telly. No, no, not at all. Like he had the authority character, but it was so much more than that. There was yeah. other layers to it. But yeah, it is a shame. Um, so that's how I'm kicking off my top five comatose wife and a hot toy boy. Girl. Solidly done. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> Hello. Oh <God>. Hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're moving on to my number four. My number four is the death of Vince McMahon via explosion in his limo. Oh. Yes. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. On the, um, on the Vince McMahon Appreciation Day. Now, um, this storyline was pulled um, because um, a certain, a certain oh, someone... God. A certain I, someone may have redacted themselves. <laughs> is this your favourite moment, or did you just want to get redacted into the top five? <laughs> no, uh, no, because no, I'm annoyed because redact. I think of, of everything redacted did. Um, th- this is what I'm most angry about because <laughs> I really wanted to know where this <laughs> angle was going. <laughs> I just tried to take a drink of water. <laughs> oh Jesus! So. Carry so, on. Okay, fine. So if Benoit hadn't redacted himself, mm. what what would have happened? Would Vince still be off TV now? Presume Kayfabe dead to this day? Would they have brought him back in like some sort of strange angle? I mean, well, he kind he kind of was, <laughs> but it wasn't a it wasn't it, a problem. Was very odd angle. Yeah, um, yeah. Because for those who don't know, Vince was he had an appreciation night and he'd been acting weird all night. And in the appreciation night, the best part of this appreciation night was they got um, sort of talking head backstage pre-recorded interviews with some proper characters from the past that wouldn't normally appear on WE telly. And kayfabe, obviously, were just talking about how horrible Vince McMahon is and all this. And it was brilliant. Bret Hart did one. It was the it was the first time it was the first time Bret had been on Raw um, since um, since he left in '97. It's the first time he'd appeared on Raw. I actually have the Brett clip here. Ah, so I'll play this. Um, he, when he says, I'll give him what he's talking about his fists, just for context. What do I think about a Mr. McMahon appreciation night? Well, I'll be really honest. It's hard for me to find the words to express such deep gratitude and appreciation for a guy like Vince McMahon. You know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's wrestlers everywhere out there that are trying to find the right words to express but I know from personal experience that there's no real good way to express those words. And there's only one thing that works better than, than words to express appreciation of Vince McMahon. And that's one of these right upside the jaw. One of these, the only thing better than one of these is another one, two of them. And if you've got a whole bunch of them, maybe about 30 or 40, all the better. That's the best thing that could ever happen to Vince McMahon. And that's all I got to say about that. It's <laughs> brilliant. That asshole. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's historic, really. You know, um, Brett's first appearance, pre-recorded, but first appearance on Raw since he left in '97. And um, yeah, he's talking because he obviously um, laid out Vince McMahon after the screw job backstage. So it's mm-hmm. quite funny that um, Vince wins in the end. By the way, Vince always wins. He always gets it over. He always wins. CM Punk, just you wait, mate. Vince will win in the end. He will yeah. get you back. And even if you're on like a Brock Lesnar contract or something, Vince has got you back, and he still won, and he will. Trust me. He got Sting. He gets everyone, mate. He, Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, when he left WWF, he didn't have a bad thing to say about Vince McMahon. He was like one of the only ones. He was working for WCW, but he would never, ever dish dirt on Vince McMahon or say anything bad about the company. 
That's why Vince never got him back because there's no there's no challenge there. Do you know what I mean? Like Bobby no, would have come back in a second, so there's no need to get him back. He only gets back the ones that badmouth him. Well, it's good to know if you ever get employed by the WE. If yeah. you get uh, if you get fired, just screw you, Vince. I hate you. Never coming back. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. He will get you back. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. So uh, this, um, yeah, limo explosion. The build-up was mad, like we just heard, you know, with all the backstage interviews. Um, just a bizarre, bizarre storyline that seemed, and made all the more eerie when um, when all the Benoit stuff happened and it ended up being the Benoit tribute roar. Um, everyone, yeah. everyone was dressed in funeral stuff and there was funeral stuff in the arena because they were going to do Vince McMahon's funeral. Yeah, because they, they had like... Um black horses backstage in a hearse and they were gonna properly yeah do a funeral yeah and that's when they found out that you know what had happened to, to benoit and his family and vince just had to stand in an empty arena admit like full-on that it was a storyline i am a character and this terrible thing has happened yeah yeah uncomfortable yeah. really uncomfortable that one just yeah i mean pick your timing chris jesus <laughs> Let the story play it. But where would they have gone with that? Well, this is it. This is what I'm desperate to know. That's all you'd ask Vince McMahon? No, it's not all I'd ask Vince McMahon, but it's the first thing. And I, I, this is why I desperately want a Vince McMahon autobiography. I don't think it'll ever happen. And I'm sure when he passes on at age 146, uh, there will be um, loads of biographies written by people who half knew him and stuff. But that's not the same. We need it from the horse's mouth. It's true, it's true. I feel like if you asked him what he was going to do with that storyline, you just get a, I had no idea. Yeah. We had no, we were just hope. thank God that happened. Well, God, it's such, yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't seem to, I mean, it feels like that when you watch it nowadays, doesn't it? They don't know what they're doing one week to the next. Yeah, I feel like he properly had a plan for that one, though. Yeah, well, um, Hornswoggle ended up being his bastard son. That was part of it, I think. Yeah. And there was a, there was a, train of thought at one point that he wanted triple h to be his bastard son yes which um, he loves a bit of incest i was gonna say yeah that brings some fantastic um, incest into the equation doesn't it and, and that's not the only incest story we could tell this evening of vince mcmahon <laughs> wanting to, to pitch an incest angle more on that later um but just and the filming of it was so i watched it again last night when he's just walking down the corridor and all of the roster are there and then coach is like, no, no, your limo's this way. And he's just in this haze walking around backstage. And well, my favorite bit is if you look to the right-hand side when he first walks, it's just Paul London smiling like <laughs> like a wax model. It's my favorite thing ever. Uh, he's just really happy about it. Um, yeah, weird. It is weird. That, bit, that bit looks brilliant, though. When he gets in the limo and it explodes, um, it looks great. That's proper oh, good good production. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's got his foot on the floor the whole time. It's like a magic trick. Yeah. So you can see his foot there the whole time and he lifts immediate explosion. Yeah, it's great. Really, really I, well done. I presume it would have been a angle of who killed Vince McMahon. You know, like that who shot JR back in the 70s or whatever it was? It would be kind of that style of who killed Vince. There was a Who Shot Phil on EastEnders as well. Do you remember that? More relevant, yeah, more yeah, relevant. Who everyone. Shot Phil? Yeah, I remember that. And it ended up being Lisa, his ex girlfriend, the bitch. How I was dare you touch Phil, man. I wanted it to be Ian Beale. For some reason, I was really into Ian Beale when I was a kid. I still am you've a bit now. I send people pictures of Ian Beale all the time. <laughs> just... It's uncomfortable how much you mention him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've always had a bit weird obsession with Ian Beale. 
Um, especially when he went homeless a couple of years ago. There's a lot of good homeless pictures of Ian Beale, which I enjoy sending to my friends and family quite regularly. <laughs> um, but any, anyway, yeah, so Ian Beale, Vince McMahon, limos. Good. What's your um, What's your number four, my good buddy? <laughs> my number four is um, probably the greatest Vince McMahon meltdown that's ever happened. This happened on an episode of SmackDown January 2002, back in our glory days of wrestling. Um, I'm just going to play you it first and then we'll talk about it because it's kind of a case of like Vince has always been mental but this promo just goes above and beyond the WWF is going to die I know that the WWF has cancer because of Ric Flair I'm not going to let Ric Flair, kill what I created. Me. The WWF is mine. It's mine. I created it. I'm not going to let Ric Flair kill what I created. Because I'm going to kill what I created. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill my creation. I'm going to inject the WWF with a lethal dose of poison. If anybody's going to kill my creation, I'm going to do it. Me. And the NWF. This is when he, and then the camera slowly pans back and he's got NWO spray painted on the back of his, um, on the back of his chair. It was a cool moment. It was such a cool moment. Like, uh, it, it obviously fell flat on its face, like everything they tried to do after they bought WCW did. Yeah. But at the time it was like, yes, and it was the original Outsiders and that was cool. That was such a cool way to bring them in, I thought. It was. And because at the time, uh, Rick, Flair had become somehow the co-owner of WWE. Um, McMahon hated that and because he just spent ages battling the invasion angle. The, when you talk about the storylines as they were, they were like really cool the way it kind of like all linked in. You had the invasion angle, then Rick comes in and tries to take over the company um, and they just kept it moving in that way. So McMahon decided to go nuclear and he wanted to kill the WE and he bought in Hogan, Hall and Nash um, to kind of poison it. It was like super meta. It was just the best way of kind of melding the promotions together. I think that was kind of the best way that they really did it. Problem was the fans wanted to cheer Hogan and no matter what they did, even Hogan hitting rock with an ambulance, um, (laughs) hitting his ambulance with a truck, sorry, it it just wasn't going to work. But that promo and the backstage vignettes were that happened throughout the evening. They were just so cool. And that last promo where he goes all Tom Waits and serial killery, that's my favourite version of my man. Yeah, I, yeah, that was awesome. It's just, and like you say, like it was so cool bringing the outsiders in and the storylines do sound cool when you talk about them in isolation like this. But they the big names came too late i think we've talked about this before you know like mm-hmm. kevin nash hulk hogan scott hall um 
people like that could and Ric Flair could just sit at home on their Turner contracts for another year, even though WCW had been bought because they could just get paid and sit at home, so they didn't need to come in. But if they had come in with the invasion, God, it would have been so good, right? Yeah, yeah, that would have just had a, a whole whole new level to it. Um, and we've just, we've said this about McMahon before, like obviously acting and wrestling is not something that marries up and is not Oscar worthy. But Vince it's, por- just, it's, por- it's porn star, porn film it's porn acting. Star, it's porn acting, yeah. right? Yeah, Best, without, without the done. sex. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, let's not go that far, though, is there? <laughs> well, okay, but yeah. Without, yeah, without anyone getting gooey at the end. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Vince, I feel like, is he acting? Is, is this just him? Because that promo, when he's just, I'm going to kill it, it's cancer. And it's just so real to him. And, like, the thing they always say about wrestlers is just be yourself, dial up to 11. Vince is himself just dialed up to 20. I think I think it's Vince dialed back 10, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just got to, yeah, he can just do whatever he wants. And, and it is like, because when you own your own company, you're like, yeah, it's great, it's my company, I, I can do what I want. But he has the adage of he can disguise it as entertainment and ridiculous, you know, attitude era and all that he could just do that stuff as his company because it fit within the genre and giving that kind of man that kind of control oh it's just a recipe for disaster (laughs) hey did you know um i haven't actually looked into this since i heard about it which was months and months and months ago but um so there might be new information this might have been cancelled i don't know but um they're making a film about bradley cooper is that who's going to play Vince McMahon? He was like the front runner um, to kind of be Vince McMahon. Um, but as you say, it kind of disappeared after that. I'm just going to yeah. see if I can find anything on it. Was, it. it was being written by the same guys that did I Love You, Philip Morris. And I really like that film. And I really like the um, sort of feel of that film, the, the colours and stuff. And I think it would really suit a sort of mad film about Vince McMahon. So it's... He was offered, he's been, so WE has reached out to Bradley Cooper to offer him, like, the main roles. So they're, like, the one he wants to play Vince. Um, It's got a loose title of being called Pandemonium, would be the title of the movie. And it would be, yeah, the story of Vince McMahon. Uh, Largely, I think there are, like, they do point out that a lot of it is um, fictionalised in the film as well. Like, I think in the film... I heard that he's going to meet Linda at a strip club or something, which isn't what happened in real life. But, but we're but all going to pretend awesome. from here that that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly. I think, all right, because bits of the script got leaked a couple of months ago, I think, and um, it opens with um, just the words on the screen, like the following story is as true as anything else in professional wrestling. Nice. So, yeah, but um, I really hope that film comes to fruition because um, judging by Philip Morris, which I really enjoyed, um, it will be a very silly sort of well-made film. Yeah, 100%. Oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. What do you got for me? Are you number three? Number I'm four? At my num- no, I'm at my number three, mate. I went first Ooh. this week in a um, bit of a change. Um, so my number three is um, his appearance with Draws in Beyond the Mat. <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna get the the audio up for this yeah just okay real quick. yeah okay that's wonderful um c- can you just preface the this this quickly for me uh, what the, the 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 precise um clip that you're gonna play yes okay well what it is is um he's just hired draws um who he has mainly hired i think because he knows that he has a special skill 
uh, Droz can regurgitate on demand. So, um, what have I put in my um, notes here? I think Droz got the the main nickname for because he was an NFL player and the camera cut to him when he was throwing up and then he garnered the nickname Puke. That's right, yeah. And um, so we get um, we get Vince McMahon um, saying the classic line, um, "He's going to puke." And what I've written in my uh, what I've written in my notes, I've put he kind of builds up to it like it's the sexiest thing he's ever seen, starting quiet but ending up excited and just screaming it in his face. All the while, um, Shane is sitting there gazing at his dad like he's the best man in the world. <laughs> And my favourite thing about this is this is a boardroom meeting. So this is like behind the scenes that Droz is coming in to meet Vince McMahon for the for the possibility, you know, we're going to like sign you and you're, you're going to have a career with us. So this is a, a boardroom meeting to to give Droz a job and get set up in the WWF. And this this is how a meeting with Vince McMahon goes. Well, I've got one thing I want you to do for me, OK? And that's going to be right back over here. Oh, no. <sighs> I've been waiting for this. Okay, I guess okay. you want, you want a little coffee or what? Huh? Oh my God! He's, he's gonna! He's gonna! He's gonna! He's coming at you! He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! He's gonna! Yeah, he's gonna puke! Oh man! <laughs> it's the mani- it's the maniacal laugh at the end, yeah, and I just say it's just a yeah. You want some coffee? Yeah, he's so he's so into it. He's so into it, and um, so that 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 is the main takeaway bit, right? The bit with draws and the way yeah. sh- the way Shane is just sitting there, like you know, oh my dad's the best. But um, <laughs> but just just before this bit, like Vince comes off really badly and beyond the mat, I think, and um, he, and it's a shame, really. But I think I think Vince tried to pull this film when it came out because, and I I could see why based oh, on yeah. uh, based on particularly the bits with Vince. And the bit I really like the bit when he's talking to the filmmaker and he goes, "We make movies," and then he's just got the smuggest grin on his face, just looking at the filmmaker when he goes, "We make movies." And then he grabs his bottle of water and takes the most aggressive glug I've ever seen anyone take out of a plastic bottle of water, like scrunches it in his hand and takes this massive gulp. It's amazing. Oh yeah, he he just doesn't come off well at that at all. I, I think the mate Vince, you know. He's gonna puke. He starts DJ remixing himself. <laughs> he's got he, he he's gonna puke. But his com- his commentary voice was always amazing, right? Because he had like two voices when he was doing yeah. commentary, and he kind of does it then. So like you know he'd be talking like this, and then sure, Michaels would come out. Look at that, and his life would just change on her head. And it was just the most mental commentary I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I I, I editing that cutting that bit of audio down last night i just played it way too much and I like, <laughs> <laughs> became obsessed he's gonna puke and um as everything it ended well for vince mcmahon it did not end so well for drugs for vince always wins in the end just for the moral of every story vince wins everything we talk about tonight vince wins yeah exactly that's the takeaway oh beyond the mat if no one's seen it it's yeah, you really need to get on it. It's fantastic. That and Wrestling with Shadows are the two greatest wrestling documentaries of all time. Hundred percent. If you want to understand even remotely the carnage of what the WWE is, that's just it in a nutshell. Just, and nineties, I think nineties was the best. 90s, e- yeah, it was the best era for wrestling as far as wrestlers taking themselves seriously, taking the business seriously, and 
just it was just life and death today. It's not life and death to wrestlers today, I don't think. No. Um, back then, it was life and death, and it just comes through so clearly in both those documentaries. I feel like backstage in the nineties must have just been pure insanity. Like no, no one really knows what they're doing. It's just it's gotten to that huge level. It's national. It's cable. Uh, it's worldwide at this point, and everyone's just hoping for the best. Whereas now, it's like everyone's just sitting quietly playing Rocket League. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, yeah, watch the um, Vince McMahon interview on the Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network. Like, it's a surprisingly honest interview, I think. Yeah, it is. And um, Vince, uh, Stone Cold basically asks Vince, he says, why aren't, the, why are the talent, you know, so it feels like everyone's walking on eggshells now. Back in the day, you know, we'd come up to you, we'd tell you what we want our characters to do, we'd discuss it, and we'd come up with the best thing. Now, people just get told what to do. And Vince just quite honestly says, you know, oh, I just think today's locker room are nowhere near as ambitious. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Let's just knock them all down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he says um, Cesaro is not getting over because he's too Swiss. <laughs> Can I have a push? No, he's too Swiss. <laughs> too well, Swiss. we've seen his like brutality. If, if no one's seen yet, the um, it aired after Survivor Series, the Kevin Owens 365 documentary, where they follow Kevin Owens for a year. The, the most, like, I think... We, we talk about Mr. McMahon, the character here this evening, but Vince McMahon, the boss, is summed up so well in that. WrestleMania, he's he's on the mic, he's in Gorilla. Um, KO comes up to him after his match with Jericho and he says, are we good? Asking how the match went. And Vince just goes, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> they just look straight back at the... Th- that's it. They just look straight back at the monitor and carries on working. Um, like, Kevin Owens is reduced to a seven-year-old child. Like, the... Face of America, the baddest man to enter NXT, uh, just stands there. The poor guy, yeah, and he just he stands there because he doesn't want to walk away immediately. Because and we've all been there, right? When someone like you've had a dressing like, down for your boss, and... yeah, or at school or something, and like you don't want to just walk straight off because you know you look like a dick, so you just end up looking like more of a dick by just sort of sta- yeah standing there and just sort of not really looking at anything in particular and with that horrible feeling in your stomach, and then you just sort of toddle off after a while. But yeah, poor poor KO, man. Awful, awful. Okay, um, my number three, I think, is a joint one. Um, okay. I have a lot of audio for this. I have four different clips I want to play for this, because <laughs> it's the only way I'm going to get through this all. The only way we're going to surmise it. Ladies and gentlemen, probably the greatest moment of Vince snapping and wanting to do whatever the hell he wants and feeling like yeah this is okay to do i'm talking about vince mcmahon shane mcmahon versus Shawn michaels and god yeah! uh, this is my number two as well no hang on my... you're on your three aren't you i'm ahead of you yeah so this is my two so we're jumping ahead let's go we got a lot to talk about um i'll introduce it first by when vince introduces the match he's uh is this after wrestlemania yeah, so at WrestleMania, um, it was Vince versus Shawn Michaels um, in, in that hardcore oh match. Or no let's, holds barred. Let's whatever. talk about that real quick. Because we watched me, it live together, didn't we? We did. Me and Jesse watched that match together. And <laughs> we have never laughed as hard as when we watched that match. It's just from the get-go, right? So um, Vince McMahon had been on the cover of Muscle and Fitness shortly before this match took place. So he had the Muscle and Fitness magazine cover um, sort of on canvas um, on a plinth outside the ring. And he was so proud of it. He comes out with the most incredible fake tan I've ever seen in my life. Like he just, he's just, he just looks so brown. It's incredible. And 
comes out and he's flexing while Sean's in the ring and stuff. And then Sean just grabs the canvas and smacks it over Vince McMahon's head. And this is the start of the match, right? And straight from there... WrestleMania. Yeah. You and me were just pissing ourselves because Vince just falls onto his ass and sits there like he's been knocked out, looking like Linda, circa (laughs) 2001, right? (laughs) And... And, and from there, everything is gold. Just watching Vince McMahon get battered in such he a comical fashion. He looks like he's fashion. having a heart attack because his reaction's like... Aah! Yeah. <laughs> we, were, like, we were laughing, but there was part of us that thought he could be very unwell, right? We thought like, something really bad could have happened here. And they're just still going for it. But, just, oh, yeah, the whole match was just incredible. So, um, Shane and comes just, out. Yeah, and then he gets handcuffed to the, to the ring. And then Sean dances and hits him with a kendo stick. Um Vince doesn't get any up. This is a long match, and it's just Sean beating up Vince. And it ends with him putting the Spirit a... Squad come out at one point. Oh, yeah, he takes out the Spirit Squad as well. Yeah. Um, it's basically just like an Asian action movie. It's great. It's just taking <laughs> out everyone. Um, and then it ends with him putting Vince on a table with a trash can on his head, diving off a 30-foot ladder with an elbow drop, and he... Sean has, like, conquered McMahon, and Vince is wheeled away at WrestleMania... <laughs> on a stretcher and the closing image is his middle finger just up in the air at Sean as he gets taken away he did the same thing at 19 as well at Wrestlemania 19 after um, Hulk Hogan beat him <laughs> don't he remember did, yeah, the yeah, yeah yeah he was he was taken over the stretcher and he, he had the middle finger up again so that's that's like his Wrestlemania trope <laughs> I love it I absolutely love it some men are undefeated Vince flips people off <laughs> it's brilliant but that match so a um, few things from that match um, Shane unintentionally joins the Kiss My Ass Club Yes. So, um, so Vince takes his pants down and, um, like, be- I think he's wearing some sort of weird thong to sort of yep. keep his actual crack away. But it- he has essentially got his ass out. And JR with. Um, he faked possi- that as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, man. Um, and JR with possibly the line of his career says, You're a 65 year old man showing your ass on pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> and then his son's face gets rammed into it. Exactly, which is, yeah, here's some more. Um, is this the incest you were talking about? Because <laughs> there's some, yeah, a bit more there. And uh, yeah, so his legitimate son, Shane McMahon, gets his face shoved into his father's sweaty well, crack. Like, right after Shane left and we didn't see him for like 10 years. I, pos- no, I, no, I think he. Um, so, so he had the am- a link. See, we had, yeah, maybe. He's just been washing his face for 10 years straight. <laughs> um, he had, um, so he had the ambulance match with Kane. Um, at Survivor Series 2003 and then took about three years off and this was round about the time he came back as sort of the sycophant son of Vince McMahon sort of came back as a heel and yeah, yeah. loved it um, and then Vince comes out and he, he's not done with Sean yet so he comes out on Raw and he says probably the greatest line Vince McMahon's ever said here you go <laughs> in less than four weeks time at Backlash there's going to be a tag team match Sean it's going to be you and your tag team partner, the good Lord Almighty. Aww. That's right, you and God versus me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and the product of my semen is my son, Shane. Great. I think he has snapped. <laughs> Vince's face, Shane's face, sorry, when Vince says that. Yeah, he just sort of, because he's looking like all like, you know, like wrestlers do. He's looking at Shane, he's, Sean, sorry, I'd see where, see, see where JR struggled, yeah. Um, and my face is fully in full working order. But um, he, um, yeah, so Shane's sort of looking down at Sean and like, yeah, come on. 
And then Vince says that, and the product of my seat, and Shane just sort of turns to him, what? <laughs> this deadpan face. This wasn't expecting it at all. It's such a good line. Uh, and he just, he thought that was okay. He like, It was. It was. Like, I loved it. <laughs> it's, it's great. And for those who kind of haven't seen the match, God does appear. God does appear. This is amazing, right? So this is in my notes. Um, so... Um, uh, like you watch the pre-match promos where God comes down, so God gets his own um, sort of ah, sort of music, and there's just this spotlight on the ring coming down. The crowd are dead. I have never seen a quieter crowd, and that makes all this even funnier because the crowd are absolutely dead for it. They don't make a noise until Sean's music hits. Yeah, and but as the um, spotlight's coming down, Vince goes, "Oh wait, God, God, no." You need to be, this is the WWE, you need to do it WWE style. And proceeds to play um, Somebody Call My Mama and starts <laughs> dancing. We see a bit of a um, callback to the standback music performance. My number five, we see some incredible Don Travolta being tasered dancing from Vince McMahon. <laughs> and the spotlight plays. And the crowd remain dead. They just don't make a noise. They don't laugh, they don't boo, they don't do anything. Because it's weird. It is so weird. And yeah, that and that was just a crazy. I can't believe that was two thousand and six. I, I mean, know, and, and, and I they allowed it. I, yeah, I mean, I know two thousand and six was eleven years ago, which is scary, but nearly twelve. But um, two thousand and six WE to me felt like a much more. P. I know it wasn't officially PG, but it felt like a much more sort of. You know, they were publicly traded and they were watching out for being risque and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it felt a, a little bit better than, than what had happened in previous years. And, and now we're in a very vanilla version of WE. Yeah. Um, th- this this was kind of still got a bit of like spanking and hair pulling going on. Yeah, man. Like, it's, but it's mad. They must have got so many complaints. Oh, yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm got a couple more clip, clips to play you everyone because it, it didn't just it wasn't just like oh yeah god's going to be your tag team but not metaphorically like god can be in your <laughs> corner and you can face us two in one no no vince went to church oh yeah vince went to church to call out god and cut a promo <laughs> on him now the, the start i could have played this whole six minute clip because it's amazing starts with him kind of wandering in going Oh, I like the decorations. And he, he tries to get Shane to sign them in with his credit card. And then he takes holy water and spits it like Triple H. And then he gets up on the altar after saying that God rolled out the red carpet for me. This is amazing. And he gets up on the altar. And, and the first thing he says to God is this. God, are you there? God, it's me, Mr. McMahon. You know, when you think about it, we have a lot in common. You created the world. I created... World Wrestling Entertainment. You created Adam and Eve. I created Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, and people like that. Let's face it. I mean, on the seventh day, you rusted. Quite frankly, I don't believe in a day off, which means that uh, I may have actually a stronger work ethic than than you do. I have a stronger work (laughs) ethic than you do. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I like that he introduces himself to God as Mr. McMahon. <laughs> hey, God, it's me. <laughs> and <laughs> when when he's just talking about how he created WE is in the same realm as creating <laughs> Life on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
the Vince McMahon Bible when it comes out, and 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 the similarities don't end there. He he continues to compare himself to God um, further. You cast down the devil to the depths of hell. I cast down Ted Turner right right out of business. You have your disciple, Shawn Michaels. I have mine. My son Shane. And he just continues to uh, compare himself. Not a religious man by any stretch, but I, I I can imagine this riled up a lot of people in the US who does do have quite a strong religious belief. I'm surprised Sean was so down for it. Yeah, could you imagine, like... Because he was a born-again Christian at this point, um, with his whole Invictus shirt and whatever Jesus stuff he loves, killing animals and praying for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's God, God's animals, he wants me to kill them. Uh, the fact that the fact that Shawn Michaels is such an avid hunter is something I don't like to think about. I like to pretend that that doesn't happen. Uh, but yeah, imagine him coming. I can't really compare it because we don't really have strong beliefs about anything, which is quite an upsetting realization. But... <laughs> our, our lives are really empty, man. <laughs> it's like someone saying, "Hey, we're, we're going to take the piss out of wrestling." Wait, we do that every week. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Um, but yeah, I want to get in a storyline. We're going to end this storyline, you and me. It's like, okay, cool. What What are you thinking? It's like, uh, me and Shane versus you. Oh, two on one, two. And God. I'm um, sorry, what? And God. Oh. <laughs> but God, God takes a powder in the match. Really? God take God leaves halfway through. Do you remember? Halfway through the Batlash match. I watched this match once. The spotlight, right. So halfway through the match, the spotlight just up and leaves. It starts going back up the ramp in the middle of the match. And, um, oh, yes. No, no, no. I remember now. Yeah. And Vince is going, um, God, where are you going, God? Look. And then he's, he's got Sean, like, battered. He's like, look at what you created in your own image. He's a piece of crap. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, Vince, wa- uh, sorry, God, that was weird. Um, God walks out on Sean. God walks out and Sean. And that is probably one of my favourite Vince McMahon storylines um, throughout, because it's just... Just why? Yeah, and um, Vince and Shane, at the end of that match at Backlash, they go over. They win. He goes over God. Yeah, Vince McMahon wins a match against Shawn Michaels. And God. Uh, yeah, and goes and over God. God. <laughs> Vince always wins, remember? Vince always wins. Yeah, true. I'm I'm still waiting for how he's going to win against Trump. I'm waiting for something because obviously he lost the hair versus hair match to Trump at WrestleMania. His wife's um, in Trump's cabinet. That's how Vince wins. <laughs> he's slowly going to take over. I will not be surprised if somehow Trump gets taken out of power. Um, other people are also found to be guilty of the probable crimes that he's going to be discovered for. And the next in line is Linda McMahon. And she's like, and my vice president, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And Vince McMahon will run the United States of America. Absolutely. I, you know what? I'd, I'd pick him over Trump. 100%. Of all the things we've mentioned this evening, I would still pick him over Trump. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I still haven't played some of the worst tracks. <laughs> so my next one is actually quite sweet. So so I'm, I'm going to leave it. But um, you're number one. I, I feel like you're taking my number one. I mm, I don't know. Um, well, you've got um, two and one left, haven't you? So my number one is um, the Brett Screwed Brett interview with JR. Yeah! Yeah, is that your number one as well? Number one, baby. Nice. Um, so do, do you want to do your number two before we both talk about this? 
Um, yeah, yeah, let, let's do that. Um, mine's actually quite a sweet moment from Vince McMahon. This was um, his post 9-11 speech. Ah, which I think is quite an important thing to mention because as bad as Vince McMahon, as bad as Mr. McMahon is as a person, Vince McMahon gave a Independence Day style presidential speech. He first comes out on SmackDown and just... On behalf of everyone here in the arena and a worldwide television audience, we would like to extend our condolences to the victims and the families and friends of the victims of the terrorist acts that occurred on Tuesday in New York City and Washington, D.C. So, you know, he he's opens up the show. He's not hiding from it. He's saying this is what happened. He's got the whole uh, roster out on the ramp. And it, it's such a powerful intro to the show. Um, and must have made WWE look crazy good. Like, obviously, it didn't get any kind of press coverage because they were focusing on other things at the time. Um, and, yeah, and it was you know every show in the world in America certainly was doing this sort of thing at the time. But exactly, but Vince does deliver it with um, incredible passion. Yeah, uh, but as he says in this next bit, he he, this is the first assembly of its kind of this size since the attacks. And, and Vince has a message for the terrorists, as only Vince can. <laughs> and make no mistake about the message this public assembly is sending to terrorism tonight. And that message, quite simply, is that we will not live our lives in fear. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful sentiment. That's what everyone needed to hear at that time. And that's yeah. what should always be kind of, whenever a terrorist attack happens... That is exactly the attitude it should be kept. And, you know, it could have been quite easy for them to cancel that show because it was stupidly quick after the 9-11 attacks. And to have... um, No one really knew what was going on. You know, there was still stuff happening. And they had that massive arena filled. And Vince was like, no, damn it, we're putting on a show. Would it have been the same day? He said said the terrorist attacks on Tuesday, but SmackDown was always recorded on a Tuesday to be aired on Thursday. That's a very good point. Let's have a look. Smackdown 9-11 tribute. Um, The 13th. Okay, so two days later. Two days. Well, no, but that's, yeah, but that's when it would have aired. Was Smackdown live that week or something? So that would have been a Thursday when it aired, but. um, Yeah, yeah, so it was, that was when it was live. That was a live Smackdown, right. Yeah. Okay. So two days afterwards is when they they kind of did this, and um, yeah, he he ends the speech in very much a "we will not go quietly into the night" style ending, and it's it's amazing. And then I believe um, doesn't Kurt Angle like go over in the main event in the most heroic fashion as like you know the American hero as well? Yeah, the most. This is America. Uh, this is what we do, um, and it's summed up perfectly by this by this closing clip of him. And we will fight we will fight for our families we will fight for our rights and we will fight for our great nation america's heart has been wounded but her spirit her spirit shines as a beacon of freedom a beacon of freedom that never has been nor ever will be extinguished and I think that's just like, that's how you cap it off. You know, 
wrestling is stupid. Wrestling is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense, and we don't know why we watch it. But there is some good in it. And Vince McMahon, as evil as he is, has some good in him. He does. Now, Trish, sit here. (laughs) Bark like a dog, damn it. But good, I, good, I, good, solid choice, and uh, I'm not. I'm not even American, and I feel patriotic after listening to that. God damn, it was beautiful. I played Lillian Garcia singing the national anthem. That was beautiful. Oh man, did you know she's like fifty? Yeah, she looks amazing. Latinas, man, what's going on? Gotta love them. Yeah. Um, so yes, number one, joint number one between us is what made mr mcmahon so of course it's number one yeah so this isn't like this is the one the only one well apart from actually your number two just then um this is the only one that isn't particularly funny or mental it's just but it's um uh, as far as the effect it had on the industry there's just nothing bigger like it has to be number 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 one um, I'm going to remix. He's got to puke, puke, puke. He's got to, got to, got to. So uh, this is two two weeks, not the night after. A lot of people think it's the night after the Montreal Screwjob, but it's not. It's the raw after the raw after the Montreal Screwjob. Because um, on the Monday after the Montreal Screwjob, they tried to mostly ignore it and just move on. And they were like, oh, Sean's champion. He won. Let's just move on. And that's fine. And then they realized the buzz that was going on um, around Montreal and realized that they needed to capitalize on that. 100%. So um, so the week after they um, did this sit down interview with JR um, where JR asks Vince about what happened. Vince very honestly responds um, and it births the heel Vince McMahon character that we have all enjoyed so much. But the interesting thing about it is um, this was supposed to put Vince over as a babyface. Did you know that? It wasn't done It wasn't done in a way to sort of make Vince look bad. Vince was honest, honestly thought, like, oh, well, this is my side of it, and now everyone's going to love me. Well, I, can, I never knew that, but I can see that being true in the sense of the way he, he spoke throughout this interview was very soft-spoken and um, very much the victim in the situation. Yeah. But it didn't, but people did, you know, they did. And also another interesting thing um, is he, because he talks about in the interview, he talks about the free shot that he let Brett have on him. Yes. And then he talks about how like, you know, if it had come to a fight, I would have battered him basically. I can't remember exactly what he says, but um, he says that. And I think that was the biggest thing that people didn't like to hear. Like they didn't want to hear that the up until recently WWF champion, like who is supposed to be a tough guy who everyone loves could be beaten in a fight by a man in his um, 50s who at that time had never shown any um any fighting experience whatsoever no no exactly he was just the man in charge at that point wasn't it it was, it was yeah. nothing more than that um i do ha- obviously have the the most famous line that comes right at the end of the speech that really cements the vince mcmahon character um jr asks if he has any sympathy for Bret Hart and this is Vince's response I have no sympathy for Bret whatsoever none I have no sympathy for someone who was supposed to be a rustling traditionalist not doing the right thing for the business that made him not doing the right thing for the fans and the performers and the organization who helped make him what he is today Brett made a very, very selfish decision 
Brett's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy whatsoever for Brett. And Brett did live with it, and he had a very awful time after that. Yep, and who came crawling back to the WWE? Brett the Hitman Hart. Yep, so who won? Vince always wins. <laughs> Vince never loses, mate. He always wins everything. Oh, uh, it's, yeah. Even after he killed his brother. He still wins, yeah. Yeah. The, the honesty. That's, that's, pro- that. that's, pro- that's probably um, libelous. He didn't, he didn't kill his brother. <laughs> I think this whole podcast yeah. is libelous. <laughs> Uh, quickly before um i sent jesse a picture of this um i tweeted that we're doing a vince mcmahon special um and that was going to be the episode i get a twitter notification at one o'clock in the morning um saying that vince mcmahon retweeted your tweet vince mcmahon (laughs) follows you and i'm half asleep and i'm looking at my phone like oh my god what (laughs) it's one of those fan accounts where they pretend to be like the main account but i sent it to jesse immediately and the panic i had when i saw (laughs) Vince when you McMahon see, I mean, it, does, it says Vince McMahon. They got the exact same profile picture. When you're half asleep and you see that, you go, "What the fuck? I have no idea what's going on." <laughs> I just want him just sitting there, like, "Do it, play it, <laughs> play it again." <laughs> um, hey, but... man, that's something we didn't mention back in uh, back. Do it in his feud with Shawn Michaels and God when he uh, kneels down and prays with the McMahon family uh, before Shawn. Yes. It's just, it's so good. And Stephanie McMahon is so heavily pregnant and they all kneel down to pray and Vince just looks at Stephanie and goes, I know you're pregnant, get on your knees. (laughs) Incest number three. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Um, But Brett Screwbet, that particular bit there, um, the last bit he says, um, I feel like that was the most honest McMahon was being, you know, Brett was meant to, who's meant to be a consummate professionalist who knows this business. Professionalist. professionalist knows what he has to do didn't do the favor and yeah in this whacked out carny traditional business there's traditions and you got to follow them but what about when you have um creative control in your contract like brett did which is a terrible terrible idea and killed wcw yeah be that as it may brett had it and he had the right to use it he did he 100 percent did and we talked about this before because we talked about there's this a huge you could have a huge debate about this man um, you know the uh, the Laps fan, the podcast that I really really like. Um, Haven't they done like forty hours or something stupid? <laughs> they've done, yeah. I think it was, um, and I've listened to all of it. <laughs> it's all really good, and I fully recommend it. It's a good. It's a. I haven't actually counted up the hours, but it's yeah. It's hours and hours and hours. I think about thirty hours of just recaps of um, exactly what happened during the Montreal screw job, and yeah. they it's it's stunning. It's Great listening, but you do need to um, quit your job to fully listen to it. <laughs> yeah, we, we ain't going to get into the, the politics of the, the whole Bret Hart situation because they, they've nailed it. But as Mr. McMahon forming as a character, this this was the moment. And he took it and he ran with it. And thank God that he did. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Like, we... Uh, wrestling completely changed. I mean, if if the Montreal screw job hadn't happened and if Bret screw Bret hadn't happened... Um, WE might not have won the ratings war against WCW because no. it, it sort of got... St- I mean, I know Stone Cold was well on his way at this point and the Mike Tyson stuff, but it was really uh, the Vince McMahon feud that made Stone Cold the the biggest draw, you know? Yeah, yeah. And WCW was starting to struggle at this point. We know how badly they handled Brett, which I still think is the 
biggest. Oh god, they had the hottest. They they had had the the hottest star coming off the hottest story. You know, a real life story that they could have taken so much advantage of. Yeah. This was, if you want to compare it to modern day, if like when Punk had walked out and someone had taken him and just been like, he's our top star. Yeah. That's what you could have done with this. And they just went, no, we don't know what to do with you. We've everyone's got their own creative control. So everyone's bickering. Yeah, it was crazy. That's the, that's the biggest problem. Um, but the interview is great. It's it's long, and they dedicate. You know, this is during their exciting wrestling program. But no, they're having a sit down interview discussing what had happened. It's that hasn't really happened before. It's a two parter across two weeks as well. I think. Which um, so they they knew what they were doing. They were going to get you know they were going to get their ratings across two rules for this. Yeah, you don't talk about what happens backstage, don't you? You know what happens there like yeah you they were starting to blur the lines a little bit but not to the extent of here's the boss explaining what happened in regards to one of the most controversial events that's ever happened yeah and, and how he changed a booked finish and all that stuff it's, yeah it just doesn't happen no it's crazy but uh but yeah powerful powerful moment and obviously you know anyone who's a wrestling fan knows it like the back of their hand but it's still one of those things i need to rewatch at least once a year just enjoy it all over again yeah and that's the thing i love about the screw job it's been 20 years now at this point and it's still the most talked about thing in wrestling and people are still happy to talk about it people talk about it more than like the death of owen hart and things like that which yeah you think about ramifications and stuff like uh, the death of a human being is so much more important (laughs) in the grand scheme of things do you know all of vince kind of like um when he was investigated for the for the drug trial that was huge that could have killed the business right there yeah all this stuff but this this yeah the screw job is the biggest moment in wrestling still yeah definitely and it will never be touched because now it's all blurred lines and that kind of stuff so yeah we'll see we'll see but um i think that covers the character of mr mcmahon and vince mcmahon so well um for what we've discussed this evening it's there's there's a couple more audio clips here that we might play. We're not sure whether it's appropriate, but we'll see. We'll see what happens when we discuss <laughs> um, what the Milky Way universe has to say about their favourite Mr. McMahon moments. Oh, yes, if it, okay. If it's mentioned, I would say it. So please, Jesse, kick us off. So the first person, uh, JC League 92 hello! He says, um, when he tore both his quads entering the ring at the 2005 Royal Rumble and just oh, sat there in the ring screaming at everyone. This, this is something we need to talk about. is incredible. Um, it's, uh, two, yeah, like you said, 2005 Royal Rumble. Batista and John Cena, last two. Uh, Batista's supposed to win. Um, picks up Cena in a powerful position, completely overbalances. They both go over the top rope and land perfectly they both land at the what, exact same moment on this the is what blows my mind because everyone's like oh it, it it's it's a fuck up they they were you know batiste was meant to win but every time i watch it i just can't buy it i know like loads of people in the industry have said no they messed up but yeah. it's just so perfect the way they go over the top rope and cena holds on slightly so they can hit the floor at the same time it's just too perfect for me to believe it's, yeah, I know what you mean, it, and it's see, and because they were both positioned as the top guy, like Batista was about to become the top guy of Raw, and Cena was about to become the top guy of SmackDown. So it's just, 
it ma- it makes it perfect, right? It doesn't make either of them look weak. It's and, just a perfect booking, really. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, and then the rest would I don't the rest were just on it, and there was a whole raw SmackDown thing at the time, and the rest started raising each other's hands. And I was like, of course, this is a work. It has to be. Yeah. But then yeah. out from the back comes Vincent Kennedy McMahon, throwing his jacket on the floor <laughs> as he walks. <laughs> his jacket. He's he's trying to do the Vince McMahon walk, but he's he's too pissed off, and because <laughs> it takes a while for him to come out because he's obviously. If it did wasn't meant to happen, he's freaking out backstage, and he storms into the ring, and he goes to jump in, do the slide in, but he just does it a little bit too short, hits both of his quads on on the ring apron, and tears them both. <laughs> just now this sit, is just sits pitch. on the floor. Yeah, go on. Sorry, you do it. <laughs> You've got four four referees in there with two massive men of Batista and John Cena. They're each raising each other's hands, yelling at Vince, who is sitting there, legs outstretched, hands on hips, like a five-year-old <laughs> little girl, in agony. Like, can you imagine tearing your quads? Yeah, both Holy quads. Holy hell. And then he's just sitting there, trying to look angry. Commentary don't know what to do. The crowd are just confused to no end, and they try and make a decision and Batista throws out Cena, and then, because that's meant to be the finish, and he's like, oh, if I throw Cena out, maybe that'll end the match. Cena comes in, throws him out, and then Vince quietly says to Charles Robinson, I'm presuming, holy shit, I've torn my quads, might have shit myself, restart the match. Yeah. That's how I pitched the conversation when. When they say, when um, the announcer says uh, this match will be restarted, is it Tony Schimmel? I think it's Tony Schimmel in 2005. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, this match will be restarted. Um, did you think that they were just going to go from number one again? <laughs> As a kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I was oh, like, God. oh my God, <laughs> I'm just going to bring everyone out again. <laughs> People have got changed. Some are, some are on IHOP. They're <laughs> yeah, down the exactly. road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just, and, and JR says it best. He's like, if you're Panama, Vince is just the chairman of the WWE, just sitting in the ring. <laughs> It's so good. And yeah, I felt, as someone else has said, someone's replied to um, JC League 92 saying this, um, mwinks99, saying, only time I've ever felt bad for John Cena. You fucked up your match as a rookie. You fucked up the finish to one of the most important matches of the year. Vince McMahon had to come out because you fucked up. Vince McMahon tears both his quads because you fucked up, which is completely true. somehow he still became the most successful wrestler in the WWE. Amazing. And Batista was was certainly not far behind at the time, was he? He was positioned to be the top guy back then. Yeah, exactly. So we both, I know we both wanted to put this in our top five, but it was such a short moment of just, because it's not Vince's fault he tore his quads. It's just a hilarity of a six-year-old man at the time sitting in the ring with his legs out. With his hands on his hips, tearing still makes me laugh. Yeah, tearing your quads, but like when I think about someone tearing their quads, I sort of picture like you know when you pull chicken off the drumstick. Like yeah, right that's there. what that's what I picture in my head. Just that meat coming off the bone is horrible. But as a Vince McMahon ism, because um, Triple H tore his quad, um, son-in-law of Vince McMahon, as you all well know, um, and I remember Triple H telling a story of like when it happened and he got the surgery and. Vince, being as competitive as he is, said to Triple H, I'm going to come back in half the time that you did. <laughs> and he did. Double oh, the age God. of when he did it, he came back in half the time that Triple H did. That's ridiculous. Just backflipping oh. in gorilla. <laughs> Look at me now! Oh, <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's um, another one that I like here? Um, Leshwind with a 
Yeah, for me, it was him saying that Austin had violated him on his hospital bed. The little pause he gives between words saying, he he violated me, and the pop <laughs> that came after it is amazing and funny. Yeah, Austin attacking Vince in the hospital, uh, where he just twats him in the head with the bedpan. <laughs> with the bedpan, the most amazing dong. noise as well. Yeah, 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 it's brilliant. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, makes me so happy. Just the dong. I'll take it from here, nurse. Sorry, <laughs> I did an Austin. You should have done an Austin there. Yeah, so I'll take it from here, nurse. Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> and then uses the paddles on him, punches his leg, beats him around the hospital room in his little tidy whities Love it. Um, it Stone Cold Bob Saget, which is a brilliant name, um, says, um, I liked when he informed Paul that he was unable to feel his legs. Do you know what he means by that? Yes, this yeah. was when um, he was going to announce a millionaire. That's um, right. He's going to give away a million and the stage collapsed. This was another weird Vince McMahon that never really went anywhere. Just wrote him off TV. The stage collapses, podium falls on top of him and crushes him. I'm doing air quotation marks again. Yeah, yeah. And then Triple H. Um, this is the thing, by the way. Every episode, I have to mention Benoit at some point. Every episode, you have to do bunny ears. At some point. <laughs> I have to do some kind of quotation mark because yeah. that's wrestling. <laughs> crushed. Um, and yeah, he gets crushed and then Paul... Levesque Triple H comes out and Levesque, isn't it? Is it Levesque? I've always I don't know. You've I've got always me... said Levesque. Oh, you're making me doubt myself now. You're um, making me doubt myself. I've Send always... it in, people. Tell yeah. us. Yeah, I've always read it as Levesque, but I don't know if I've ever heard it, so I could be wrong. Maybe it is Levesque. I'm pretty sure he's changed his name to Triple H at this point. Well, yeah, he's Hunter now, isn't he? He's Hunter. He's Hunter Triple H. Yeah. Trips. That's his full name. <laughs> um, but then uh, he's just there. He's like, Paul, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. That's why everyone thought it was a shoot, right? Because he was calling him Paul and not Hunter or Triple H or whatever. Like that. Yeah, that was our, the only thing, the only reason people thought it was real. I love the idea that Triple H is called Paul. Yeah, it makes me really happy. <laughs> and Levesque or Levesque, whatever it is, a stupid uh, French name. Um, Bork Laser ninety six mentions, and I don't remember this at all. Um, early two thousand sixteen in Chicago. Shane was cutting a promo in the ring on his upcoming match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania when the gong rang, and he says, I lost it because Taker wasn't advertised that night. Then No Chance in Hell begins to play, and the whole place, including myself watching in bed, just got so damn pissed off with the trolling because <laughs> he comes swaggering out, as only Vince McMahon does. Amazing. He's, uh, yeah, and that that's recent, man. You know, he's still got it. When he does occasionally appear, he's still got it. He's... Um bit with kevin owens recently was great as well yeah yeah one of my favorites blading he bladed himself and then um vaseline it up didn't he um so he bladed himself in gorilla vaseline it up and then just waited to get headbutted to just wipe the vaseline away and let the blood flow so throughout that whole segment he just had a cut on his forehead that he'd um, stuck together <laughs> he's a consummate professional yeah uh, just a sexy Kurt has meant, has done um, bullet points. He's got quite a few. He's a big fan. Yeah. Um, when he tried to fart in order to make Gerald Briscoe vomit. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a story. I tried follow- to find like a video somewhere. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> uh, followed through and shat himself. Then went on live TV with shit-stained underwear. Then went backstage and chased Briscoe around with them. To make him vomit. He did. Uh, being incredibly confused at the idea of American men finding Asian women attractive. Um, JR had to show him an Asian porn site to convince him about it. And I reckon that <laughs> might be one of the reasons that he hired Carl Anderson. Because <laughs> he's got a hot Asian wife. <laughs> um, I love the idea of him not knowing, but he just doesn't buy into the concept at all. Yeah, just yeah, just doesn't believe it. So he's, that, he, 
And true, he's... because he's never hired any uh, Asian divas. Well, I we've think got... Kim, what was it? What was her name? The one that was there that didn't last very long. Ja- oh, uh, what was her name? She recently retired as well. She uh, did. Gail Kim. Gail Kim. But she, she was probably but on vacation. The Japanese count as Asian, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. So, so he's got As- <laughs> so he's got Asuka and Kari. He's had loads of Japanese women. Oh, no, well, he's in the porn now. He knows about. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's 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 on board now. I'm talking pre-porn. Um, and talk, talking of Asians, um, another bullet point from Just a Sexy Kurt is um, when he fired Jimmy Wang Yang. Forgot he fired Jimmy Wang Yang when he saw him backstage and asked him to do something. And Jimmy Wang Yang said, "You fire me. I'm just here to see my friends." <laughs> and, then he, um, <laughs> and then he so he rehired Jimmy Wang Yang when that was pointed out to him because he couldn't remember firing him. <laughs> Give me a coffee. I, I don't work here. <laughs> yeah, you do. You... <laughs> uh, my he's he's onto a roll with just sex because this is one of my favorite Vince stories. Um, he got drunk in the locker room, um, and he allowed the Heart Foundation and the Legion of Doom to hit their finishes on him. Yes, and we're talking about the Legion of Doom finisher we spoke about last week, where he puts him on the shoulder, and then it's a clothesline, and the guy basically does a backflip. Heart Foundation got him up, um, howled, and the most powerful clothesline there is. Um, he did that in a locker room. Yeah, amazing. Just, just for fun. And um, then he demanded that same evening Ric Flair's room key, got the key, led people back, and had them piss on Ric Flair's bed. <laughs> Another story I've heard about Vince. This is, uh, no, no, <laughs> We're going to be here all night. Yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry. Um, a, this hasn't been mentioned by the um, Got Till Five milky way but um apparently um when kurt angle was sort of in his prime in the company um vince would regularly hide in closets backstage and just yes. jump out on kurt angle and try and try and wrestle him and get the better and sometimes he would get the better of him because he'd take completely taken him by surprise and jumped out on him and he'd be like yeah i've I beaten olympic gold medalist but like that, he would just because do that. He used to do it on aeroplanes as well. So yes. he'd like he try and wrestle them in in the aisles, and I think there was a story about them going over to Iraq, which is where this all kind of started. And they were on one of those big, um, just not commercial planes, but one of the big military carrier planes, which have a lot of space in them. And he just kept trying to goad Kurt into wrestling him. Yeah, it's it's just it's just great. I love that. I just oh, there, there's. I'm just, I'm still scrolling at this point. Yeah, uh, Wad Squad has mentioned something that I'm surprised we haven't mentioned yet. Um, he says, uh, the time he said, what's up my N-word to Cena? You're going to make me play it, I'm going to play it. Oh, what's you happened? got it, nice. What's up, boss? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. What's good in the hood? Just hold it down, trying to take care of business. Keep it up, I'm a nigga. Tell me, he didn't just say that. It's br- um, like what a brilliant, um, what a brilliant segment, and it's just so stupid. Like why, so stupid. why do that? Why do that? I mean, <laughs> I bet he pitched it as well. Oh, of course he did. I bet, I bet he didn't even um, run it by anyone. He just did it. Buck, come here, Buck. <laughs> I gotta talk to you. Buck, I'm coming for you. <laughs> No. Uh, uh, fine. The time he wishes Undertaker's wife got raped by a biker gang, oh, posted yeah. by posted by Fuckboy Jihad. Well done, Fuckboy Jihad. You're doing the Lord's work, brother. And here it is. You don't realize what I want to do, do you? I mean, uh, 
You, you see, this is what's going to happen. The terrorists are going to burn down the undertaker's house. Yeah. His children are going to be kidnapped. His wife, she's going to be raped by a motorcycle gang right in front of the undertaker. That's the plan I want implemented, damn it. And you're going to do it. And you're going to do it in 15 minutes. Just horrendous. It's, yeah, it really right. is. That was to Heyman, wasn't it, that he was saying yeah, that to? Yeah, yeah. He, and then he, he goes on to say that if he doesn't, he'll drag him to the ring, dig his claws into his fat throat and choke the life out of him in front of everyone. <laughs> he will murder him on TV. <laughs> like, just dis- uh, just disgusting. Like <laughs> It's brilliant. Uh you can. You, I don't even. I'm not even going to continue. Not even going to continue <laughs> with that. Just ridiculous human uh, being. And but we love him. We love him so much. He, yeah, unfortunately, we do. Unfortunately, he, he's led one of the most successful entertainment businesses that has been consistently around for the better part of. Well, for him running it, fifty years at this point. He's that um, mad. He's he's. You say he's led, you know, he's led one of the most successful lives I can think of when you um, take everything into account and how he's just come out shining from pretty much everything in his life. Everything. There has been, um, take storylines, for example, there have been rapes, there have been attempted murders, there have been live sex celebrations, there have been um, the degradation of women, there's been the abuse of the little people kind, there's been <laughs> racism, there's been homophobia, just everything that is wrong with the world Vince McMahon has done on national television. Outside of that, he's been accused of sexual harassment, he's been involved in a um, drug scandal with the... It was the FBI that ended up investigating it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, he had an investigation against the FBI, he had a wrongful death lawsuit um, where he had a death in the arena. And there's, a, there's a big argument for um, a lot of blood being on Vince McMahon's hands, isn't there? You can, there is, you, that you can and make. then you take in steroids and the, the pressures of the industry. There's, yeah, not a clean man. No, not at all. But a very entertaining one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of didn't end on a good note there. <laughs> Let's go back to that 9-11 speech. Remember that? Yeah, he's a good man. He's a patriot. But he comes through smelling like roses. He has one of the largest industries in... He dominates the wrestling industry, and he will for many, many years to come. When he leaves us, um, he's just going to be viewed as an absolute god, isn't he, by the industry? The tributes that come out when Vince McMahon finally passes away are going to be... It'll it'll be looked at in the same way... You know, you got that old, racist, handsy great-grandpa... And you just go, ah, so what if he had Nazi memorabilia? He used to have a tune in his heart. (laughs) He still paid my way through college. God, I love him. Um, (laughs) And that will be the same kind of way that McMahon's viewed. And it's so weird as an industry. Yeah, it it just, yeah, it does. It just sums up the madness of this industry even more, doesn't it? So that's the patriarch. That's the man in charge. That's the head of this thing we call wrestling that we dedicate two hours of our lives to every week. And you dedicate your time to listen to hope that doesn't get depressed and you've been put off wrestling please tune in again next week bye
<laughs> Solid sign off. So before we go, um, I'm just going to remind you again about your forfeit that you need to do this weekend, please. Yes. Um, don't forget to do that. I'm sure we're all very excited for the video. Um, money shuffle three chops, please. And money shuffle three chops. I'm going to get down a t-shirt. Yes, please do. And um, well, we need our we need more subscribers to do that because we need 10,000 subscribers for a pro wrestling teaser account, and, and we can do we the want. money shuffle chops t-shirt. All um, we want is a pro wrestling tease t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> Just one. Yeah, so get on it, people. Like, share, subscribe, do all the stuff. You know what every other podcast says at the end of their stuff. Do that! Okay, cool. Um, Lovely, Max. Lovely to talk to you. Love you a bit. Love you a bit? No, I love you a lot. I just didn't want to sound um, didn't want to sound weird in front of the listeners. I love you more what, than anyone, really. Or just macho testosterone flowing around with mints. One last to play us out. And Linda, if you want another baby your genetic jackhammer yeah genetic jackhammer for me and my wonderful host jesse benz thank you for listening to this episode please like share subscribe download do all the fun wonderful stuff we'll be back next week with our episode on top intercontinental title matches i'm looking forward to that one yeah that'll be awesome it's the workhorse title so you get some fantastic matches um in the mid card for that damn skippy we'll see you all here next week thank you again for tuning in we love you good night have until the count of five i happen to love the number five it's a beautiful number a glorious number you got to the count of five